0: Welcome to Climate Watch, a podcast that delves deep into the pressing issues of climate change. I'm Gao Junya. The Zimbabwean government is advising farmers to stop planting crops amid drought fears. The southern African country is likely to experience a short and intense farming season as the current rainy season has been disrupted by the El Nino phenomenon. In today's program, we delve into the challenges faced by Zimbabwe's agricultural sector amidst the escalating weather anomalies. Agriculture is the backbone of Zimbabwe's economy, contributing up to 18% of the country's GDP. However, the changing climate is increasingly taking a toll on Zimbabwe's agricultural sector. Maize, the country's principal food crop, is expected to be half of normal, reduced to just 1.1 million tons this year due to drought. The agricultural downturn is also slowing Zimbabwe's economic growth, which is expected to be dropped to 3.5% from 5.3% in 2023. For more on the performance of Zimbabwe's agriculture under the challenging climate conditions, I spoke to Tafara Mugwara, a Zimbabwean journalist. Good to have you on the show, Tafara. First of all, how does this year's rainy season compare to previous years? Why did the government encourage farmers to stop planting? What's going on there?
1: Okay, so this year we received a late rainfall. Normally in Zimbabwe, our um, rainfall season uh, starts uh, from October up to March. But uh, this year, there was a five-week delay. So the government is encouraging farmers to stop planting now, Uh, even though we are receiving rainfall, but they are encouraging farmers to stop planting because it's predicted that uh, the rainfall season is going to be a little bit short. So if farmers continue planting, there is a high probability that uh, the crops will not be able to mature. And that would mean the farmers would have uh, wasted resources in terms of labor uh, and also uh, fertilizers. So it's best that they stop planting. Maybe they just prepare for the coming season.
0: Yeah, like you said, this year's rainy session was delayed for five weeks. It's been disrupted. So it's Mm. actually not just the rainy session, which was abnormal. Let's go back to the last dry session from April to early October. How did it differ from previous years? Actually, a number of my friends in Zimbabwe were complaining to me about the temperatures, saying they were unusually high. What did you observe on the ground, Tafara?
1: Yes, that's correct. Um, I observed that uh, the, summer, the summer period, the wet season, which mostly around uh, September, October, it's becoming uh, a bit hotter. We experienced extreme heat conditions. We also experienced some uh, heat waves. And with uh, increased temperatures, that means uh, people here in Zimbabwe are now spending more uh, when it comes to cooling expenses. Because normally the weather is a bit mild, so you don't spend a lot in terms of uh, air conditioning or something like that but because it's becoming a bit water so you now we have to have provision for um, cooling expenses
0: you know as far as i can remember the highest temperature in zimbabwe would not exceed 30 degrees celsius so that's why you know people have to adjust to the abnormal situation hope it's not the new normal so tafara tell us What factors contributed to the recent abnormal climate patterns? To what extent has climate change impacted the patterns?
1: Uh, Okay, so experts say there's this uh, weather phenomenon called uh, El Nino, which is a climate uh, pattern that describes the warming of uh, sea surface temperatures. So with this uh, this weather phenomenon, uh, we've been uh, um, experiencing unusual climatic patterns. For example, like as I've mentioned, uh, uh, changing in terms of rainy seasons and uh, extreme weathers. Yeah, something like that. And that has uh, resulted in erratic rainfall, uh, dry spells, and uh, to also to another extent uh, the shifting of seasons. Like as I've mentioned before that um, the rains were a bit late by about five weeks.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we know Zimbabwe is an agricultural society. So how has the recent weather affected key crops like maize or tobacco? Are there any concerns about food security in the near future?
1: Uh, Yes, uh, the climate change has affected the main uh, food crops and also tobacco, which is a major foreign currency. Um, As you know, our staple crop is maize but uh, maize is uh, very water-thirsty. It requires uh, a, um, a lot of water. And so since uh, we, are, we are now receiving uh, erratic rainfall, it's heavily affecting uh, the yields or the projected um, yields. And also when it comes to tobacco, farmers with no irrigation facilities are heavily hit, because uh, since uh, we received uh, rainfall a little bit late, uh, some farmers uh, experienced the challenges and their crop uh, experienced the heat stress. So uh, that was a major effect on tobacco. And also still on tobacco, we other areas of the country received the hailstones. So that destroyed uh, quite a significant percentage of uh, some crops.
0: Yeah, Tafara, we know that Zimbabwe is not the only case. So more broadly, let's look at Southern Africa. How is the situation in general?
1: Uh, generally, the Southern Africa region has been affected by the El Nino phenomenon that I spoke about, and uh, it also resulted in below-average rainfall patterns across uh, the Southern Africa region. And um, in Southern Africa, we also experienced the. Uh, uh, erratic rainfall patterns, a flash floods were recorded in quite a number of uh, places. For example, here in Zimbabwe, in Harare, a lot of people were displaced from their houses, especially in the southern parts of the capital, Harare. Even in South Africa, we also uh, there were also some floods that were uh, recorded, and it's attributed to this El Nino phenomenon. So yeah, the Southern African region has been affected by the weather patterns.
0: Doesn't seem like a positive picture out there. So now let's come to the solutions. What measures are being taken to improve the resilience of Zimbabwe's agriculture? I know some farmers have opted to drought-resilient species, right?
1: Yes, uh, that's, uh, that's very true. Actually, several measures are being taken uh, to, to improve resilience. I think the main important thing that has been done uh, by government or also other um, civil society groups is uh, education and training, especially farmer education and training. Farmers here are being encouraged to diversify their crops and livestock. That uh, will help them to spread the risks associated with uh, changing weather patterns. And uh, experts also say the diversification of uh, plants and livestock will provide a buffer against crop failures. Mm. And also farmers are encouraged to practice sustainable farming practices and conservative uh, farming practices. For example, conservative tillage farmers are encouraged to practice the crop rotation. Uh, Farmers are also encouraged to practice uh, water management, uh, drip irrigation, even rainwater harvesting. That will help them to mitigate some of the challenges that are brought about by uh, erratic rainfall patterns. And uh, as I've mentioned, farmers are encouraged to plant uh, climate-resilient crops like uh, sorghum and millet. Uh, Those crops have... uh, drought-resistant qualities, unlike the staple crop maize, which is uh, um, water test And also farmers are encouraged to shift to traditional varieties of uh, crops, especially millet. There are some traditional varieties uh, that can thrive even in dry regions of the country. Even if uh, farmers receive very little rainfall, but uh, millet has a very special qualities that it can uh, withstand drought. Uh, a little bit more than other uh, popular crops. And also farmers are encouraged to to shift to those uh, drought-resistant plants, sorghum and millet, for example, because they have uh, more nutritional value qualities. So besides uh, uh, mitigating drought, it will also help the farmers improve the nutritional value of, uh, of their food. And um, on the government side, uh, we've seen government... Uh, building quite a number of dams around uh, the country because uh, they want to provide irrigation facilities uh, to to farmers so that farmers don't only depend on rainwater, but they can also irrigate uh, their crops in order to mitigate the effects of uh, climate change.
0: Mm -hmm. It's good to know that so many actions are being taken. And Tafara, I know as a journalist in Zimbabwe, you've been covering most of the stories you mentioned above. We know that there is a significant presence of Chinese investment in Zimbabwe. Tafara, have you observed any notable cooperation between China and Zimbabwe in improving the agricultural productivity? Could you share any success stories?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Quite a number of initiatives um, have been done between China and Zimbabwe in terms of improving uh, productivity. For example, china through its uh, aid agency china aid has yes, sunk over a thousand balls in uh, rural provinces of zimbabwe and uh, those bowls were meant uh, to provide the rural communities uh, with uh, with water Either water for drinking for their household use but also water to water their uh, their gardens because in rural areas uh, most households or oh, almost every, each and every household um, has a garden. So those bowls were sunk in order to provide water so that uh, those um, farmers can cater or those villagers can cater for their uh, gardens so that they can produce their vegetables and they can improve the nutrition of uh, their families. And also another notable China-Zimbabwe cooperation initiative was... Um, at the setup of the China Zimbabwe Agricultural Cooperation Demonstration Villages. For example, one of such demonstration villages was set up in um, in an area called Jimba, which is uh, close to Arare, mm-hmm. where uh, villagers or households were capacitated to rear chickens uh, and rabbits. And um, in that program. Chinese ag- agricultural experts were assigned to give technical assistance to those farmers. And that initiative helped the farmers to commercialize their farming, because the, traditionally those farmers yet only practiced subsistence farming, whereby they simply rear chicken or rabbits for their own consumption. But through help from the Chinese experts, they were helped to increase yields, which means they could now commercialize uh, their farming. So they are now sustaining a uh, livelihood uh, from that.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned the 1,000 borehole program donated by China. Tafara, you and I went to a village which got such a borehole, and I think the excitement and appreciation from the villagers are in our head up till today. The borehole is their lifeline and changed their life completely. So, in terms of climate cooperation between China and Zimbabwe, what have been done so far?
1: Uh, so much has been done so far between China and Zimbabwe. For example, quite a number of uh, Chinese entities have been contracted uh, to construct uh, dams in Zimbabwe. For example, China Nanchang Engineering and uh, China Water and Electric Corporation. Uh, these are uh, some of the examples of uh, Chinese corporations that have been contracted to construct dams uh, in Zimbabwe. Because uh, the government yet, uh, has identified that uh, irrigation is the uh, is the answer to the changing climatic uh, patterns because the uh, farmers can no longer depend on rainfall so the government had to intervene in order to ensure that uh, water is uh, provided and that intervention was conducting some of the chinese companies with uh, vast knowledge about uh, dam construction and engineering to come to zimbabwe
0: Yeah, it's good to know that so many projects are bearing fruit and bringing benefits to local people. Tafara, you stayed in China for quite a few years. Did you observe any climate-resilient practices that could be beneficial to Zimbabwe? In your opinion, what could be done to further enhance the bilateral cooperation in agriculture?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, during my stay in China, I observed uh, the increased use of technology in order to mitigate the effects of uh, climate change and also to increase uh, farmer productivity. For example, I, I observed uh, the use of uh, precision agriculture or data-driven insights from weather forecasts So, in, uh, in order to make farmers uh, make informed decisions about either cropping, the best time to plant their crops, the best time to harvest, the best time to water to their crops. So I noticed the, the increased use of uh, the technology to increase agricultural productivity and also other, um, other farming techniques such as hydroponics. I also observed that uh, such kind of farming, uh, vertical farming, even in uh, urban areas where they, there's not much land, to cultivate, there are some of the ways that are used in China to increase uh, productivity. And in terms of uh, areas of uh, cooperation, um, I think uh, China has uh, gained uh, quite uh, insights in terms of uh, productivity and also uh, increasing yields. For example, China has um, done quite well, for example, in increasing yields of rice. So that knowledge can be also incorporated to farmers here in Zimbabwe on how we can improve yields, for example, of our staple crop. Uh, And also I think uh, the initiatives where Chinese uh, technical experts come to Zimbabwe to work with uh, farmers, that initiative is very good and it has already provided uh, results. For example, in the village that I spoke about uh, in Zimba, where farmers were able, where subsistence farmers were able to transform their farming, uh, to commercialize their farming. So I think such initiatives uh, should uh, continue, where Zimbabwe Zimbabwe farmers uh, continue to learn from their Chinese counterparts about how China, especially how China has managed to uplift hundreds of millions uh, from uh, from poverty. Considering that in Zimbabwe, we are in we are agricultural society. Quite a significant portion of our population depends on, on agriculture. So it's very important that farmers are capacitated.
0: That was Tafara Mugwara, a journalist in Zimbabwe. Discover the realities and responses to our changing climate with Climate Watch. Uncover critical issues such as the Maasai Mara's disrupted rotor beast migration and the drop in the Panama Canal's water levels. Delve into solutions for a sustainable future. Tune in to Climate Watch on your favorite podcast platform. Become more eco-conscious and take action to protect our planet. Now let's follow Yang Guang for the latest climate developments around the world.
1: The International Energy Agency has lauded China's contribution to the global green drive, saying the amount of China's renewable capacity in 2023 was equal to the entire world expansion in 2022. Sweden has cancelled many trains until the beginning of March due to heavy snowfall and unusually cold weather this winter. The International Rescue Committee says Africa remains an epicenter of the climate crisis, adding that civil strife has been destroying livelihoods and worsening poverty. A World Economic Forum report predicts climate change could cause an additional 14.5 million deaths and 12.5 trillion U.S. dollars in economic losses worldwide by 2050.
0: That's all we have for this episode of Climate Watch. To listen to it again and to catch up on our previous episodes, you can search Climate Watch on major podcast platforms. You can also visit our website, radio.cgtn.com. You can also contact us via email, radio at cgtn.com. Climate Watch is a weekly podcast brought to you by CGTN Radio. I'm Gao Junya. Thank you for listening.